What a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say Oh, what a stupid thing to say Hi, everyone. Hope you're getting outside. Welcome to What a Stupid Thing to Say, the show where we make outrageous pop culture claims and then get egg all up in our faces trying to defend them. This is probably about as topical as I'm ever going to get in this podcast that is by and large just me talking about the Coen brothers, but Elon Musk is hosting SNL next week, which is terrible and got me thinking in general about the well-worn subject of all the ways that SNL is terrible these days. Now, everyone knows that Elon Musk hosting SNL is terrible and everyone knows why. Relatedly, everyone knows that SNL's current political sketches, in particular the cold opens, are a tiring, unfunny stream of safe liberal talking points with barely any jokes, there being, if we're being charitable, occasional bright spots, progressivism, from talented marginalized writers, but those, by and large, being drowned out by the general corporatist morass. Everyone knows all of that. This isn't a politics podcast, this is a podcast about how much I love the Hudsucker Proxy. So, today, we're going to talk about the non-political reason these SNL sketches don't work. That reason being, they don't take full advantage of the medium of sketch comedy. And we'll demonstrate that by comparing them to a really good contemporary example of sketch comedy. Because this kind of thing is interesting to me, because, audible sigh, I'm something of a sketch comedy writer myself, this is going to get nerdy. Let's talk about Potion Seller. Hello, Potion Seller. I am going into battle, and I want your strongest potion. As usual, I have something I need you to watch before you listen any further. Happily, this week, if not a 106-minute movie about the existential crisis of Jewish fatherhood, it's just a three-minute YouTube video. Please, oh please, go to your YouTube search bar, search the phrase Potion Seller, and watch the first result. It's going to be a video of that title uploaded in 2011 by Justin Karitskis. Karitskis is a playwright and novelist based out of Louisville, who is, despite his more actual works, best known for this YouTube channel, where he makes funny faces in the Mac app photo booth. That practice might be familiar to you because you probably spent lots of time doing it when you were 10 years old. Once again, the video is Potion Seller. Go and learn. Welcome back. Perhaps you watched Potion Seller stone-faced, irritated, waiting to move on. If so, have a blessed day, for I have nothing more here for you. But if you're like me, your jaw hurts. Hurts to the dickens from how hard you were laughing the last two and a half minutes, and you're wondering how it is that this grainy one-shot old-school YouTube video is the greatest comedy sketch you're aware of anyone producing anywhere in the last ten years. Better, mind you, than anything SNL has done in a long, long time. So what do we mean when we say, SNL needs what Potion Seller has? Well, let's put on our joke-ruining gear and get into it. Okay, so Potion Seller and Bad SNL Topical Sketches both are examples of the broad comedic concept of parody, SNL parodying the mannerisms and rhetoric of politicians, and Potion Seller parodying this one fantasy video game trope of the Potion Seller. Parody is, of course, one of the great human triumphs. I mean, have you seen Scary Movie 1? But bad parody can be really bad. Have you seen, for example, Meet the Spartans? The trap that bad SNL so often falls into is to think that quality parody is accomplished by the act of imitation alone. Listen to this from the first Jim Carrey as Joe Biden debate sketch. Here's the deal. Can I respond to that, Chris? <laughs> Will you just shut up? Now, first of all, what you've got there is not laughter, it's clapter. 
The big response from the audience isn't a congratulation to a comedian on a joke well told. It's just a rah-rah recognition that SNL has given the liberal audience the red meat of a dig at Trump, which is morally right and all, I guess, but does not comedy make. But that point is one your favorite Chapo Flapper or some such podcast will make. I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about the politics. What I'm getting at is the underlying apolitical issue, which is that this is imitation without comedy. The will you just shut up thing is just something Biden actually said. Carrier repeats it and then moves on. There's reference to this thing we're all familiar with, but nothing done with it. No one tells a joke. Biden was reproduced, but no one told a joke. Now, having said that, Carrie does take one more stab at actually making a joke. Let's listen into that next part. What I meant to say was, I'd appreciate it very much if you could just allow me to finish my responses as opposed to sabotaging every waking moment with a toxic geyser of verbal diarrhea, you cracked out, turd-hurling sack of rancid dog snot. Now, a comedic embellishment is obviously attempted here, but really, you know, even though Carrie is using, you know, these fun, colorful, insulting words, it's really just a restatement of the sentiment Biden put out in the actual quote. I don't think it passes the smell test of being its own joke. The moment isn't really being iterated upon. There's no comedic creation. Here's another example from a recent sketch where Chloe Feynman as Britney Spears interviews Pete Davidson as Matt Gates. And your Republican colleagues in Congress say that you've shown them nude photos of women you were sleeping with. Which is not a crime. <laughs> just... Horrifying! <laughs> Once again, we get, you know, our nice pats on the back from one liberal to another for being morally correct and despising the guy. They're obviously actors using comic delivery in recounting Gates' awful exploits, but no joke has been told in that 20-second clip. This is probably the most basic form of what SNL's political comedy is doing incorrectly. There are just very few jokes happening, only references. Now, SNL is not alone in this lazy, resting on laurels use of reference humor. Potion Seller is a YouTube video parodying video game culture, and there are whole countries worth of bad content in that sphere as well. Here's a clip from a recent video by the video game comedy channel Dorkly, whose trademark is using animation that looks just like Super Nintendo graphics. It's a sketch about Mario and Sonic switching up nemeses. Wait, is Bowsy's arch nemesis a pudgy middle-aged plumber? Wow, this is too rich! My guy is a supersonic speedster who can slice through chunks of land and go Super Saiyan sometimes! This is like one step up from the SNL thing and that there's at least a comedic premise as opposed to a direct representation of reality, but still the comedy boils down to, hey look, this well-known pop culture figure has this property we all know them to have. And that's about it. Now, for a positive example, Potion Seller. Another parody, this one of this apothecary shopkeep character from any number of fantasy games from Zelda down to Skyrim. Potion Seller, I'm going into battle. The reference is made, yes. And then, the Potion Seller insults the knight. And insults him again. 
and goes on about how these potions could kill a yak, a dragon, all manner of beast, gets almost coquettish and teasing with the potions, and in the end proves entirely unhelpful. By the end of the three-minute sketch, we've grown to recognize and derive character-based laughs from two distinct and original characters, characters Kuritskis made up. It doesn't just say, Hey, look, everyone, sometimes video games have unhelpful potion merchants. It makes up an uncanny new example of that trope. That's the thing about mining comedy from pop culture references. The reference is scaffolding, but a joke needs be the edifice. That's why the best parody movies, like Young Frankenstein, The Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and Yes, Goddammit, Wet Hot American Summer, all have their own characters and bits we distinctly remember, even when they aren't harping on a specific bit from the non-parody they're parodying. The potion seller ends up being this hilarious thing unto itself. Good SNL material does this too. Jim Carrey's Biden is bad because it has no character besides note-for-note -note recitation of existing actual Biden moments. Uh, compare this to a really good SNL impression like Kenan Thompson in his uh, Weekend Update appearances as LeVar Ball. We just signed a lucrative three-figure deal with the biggest video game console in all of Lithuania, the PlayStation 2. <laughs> Is this reminiscent of the real LeVar Ball? Somewhat. But he's more his own original Kenan Thompson character, with the real Ball being a mere jumping-off point. So, yeah, references aren't enough. You need jokes. At this point, we should divert the entire NBC budget to this Justin guy already, but there are more points to be made. Another basic sketch comedy element where Potion Seller beats SNL is escalation. In sketch comedy theory, the kind they teach you at college when you haven't made friends yet and you just got booted off the Ultimate Frisbee team, Every sketch starts with a what-if question. For example, what if someone inquiring into the membership of a baseball team was unaware all the players' names were homophones for common English words? Or what if a classic rock producer was only interested in the cowbell to the exclusion of all other instruments? If you're not careful, your sketch's funniest moment will come 30 seconds in when the what-if is revealed, so you want to escalate it with successive beats, according to traditional formula a second and third beat, that take your what-if and blow it up big. SNL does this fairly well, for example, in John Mulaney's New York Fantasia sketches like Diner Lobster, where the initial shock of a character bursting at a song about the mundane subject is topped by successively more disturbing characters doing the same. Or to go back to the cowbell example, Walken just keeps digging in about how much he needs cowbell, and in fact the cowbell player ends up really the star of the show. Now, the funny thing after that diatribe is that neither SNL Cold Opens nor Potion Seller use this traditional three-beat sketch format. They're both lacking in formula, but Potion Seller lacks formula and replaces it with anarchic originality. SNL lacks formula and replaces it with nothing. Each of these quote-unquote jokes, these little callbacks to that week's real-world events, happens in a vacuum, and then they move on. An eight-minute sketch where Maya Rudolph does a monologue as her keyed-up girl-boss version of Kamala will have no central joke, none of what we sketch comedy nerds call a game. This is fine for weekend updates sometimes, because those are supposed to be headline jokes, but in the space of actors playing characters in a live sketch, it feels empty, and I think this is because of this lack of focus and escalation. Once again, it's like, we've got Jim Carrey here to play the President of the United States, let's do something with it. Potion Seller has no three-beat formula, and probably, to be honest, was clearly very much improvised, although to what extent we can never truly know, but to its credit, it is all escalation. We have our cowardly knight, we have our vicious potion seller, and they just go further and further into their separate corners as the three minutes progress, and the crying, and the sneering, and the potion seller. It's entirely possible to not see any appeal for the first minute or so, and then buy in expressly because of the escalation. 
For me, the moment it really kicks in is at the 48-second mark on the line. Bojinzella, enough of these games. It's really only one joke, one that, unlike SNL's jokes, doesn't purport to matter at all or have any topical salience. But it's a joke, it's well-defined, and it builds. So the next subject in which you can contrast the two is production value, and this would seem to be the area where Potion Seller is hampered. Justin Karitskis obviously has no kind of budget, nor even other actors. He does not have the sprite-based animation of Dorkly, nor obviously the endless imperial resources of SNL. He literally only gets a distinct visual style by distorting his own face, but therein is the lesson, right? A joke is a joke. Funny is funny. And this is funny, and of course the fact that it's made funnier by this guy transforming himself into these two distorted guys, this sort of tree-ish afro-having knight and the miscreant Potion Seller whose perfect swirling round face takes up the entire screen, that's what is so funny. But that's not laughing at a lack of good tech as one does at old monster movies or what have you. This guy is taking the constraints he has and breeding the funniest possible thing from it. Potion Seller is from 2011, and boy does it feel it. It is so of those first couple waves of YouTube comedy when people really were just throwing stuff at the wall. It's for better or worse the era of Smosh and Fred and Ryan Higa and shoes. Let's get some shoes. And this might be the cream of the crop. I'm genuinely not sure Potion Seller would get the traction it has now if it were made in, like, 2018. Even by then, the Wild West of the internet had gotten more and more regulated, and it continues to the, to this day. Basically, the video's trademark, hilariously zero-dollar production budget, represents a freedom, a looseness, which is another thing the state institution that is SNL can, of course, never engage. They almost managed it in the mid-2000s with the initial Lonely Island digital shorts like Lazy Sunday and Jizz in My Pants, but those two are very bureaucratized now, and we know exactly what to expect with each new installment in the Pete Davidson Chad series. Now, let's zero in on one genuine commonality between Potion Seller and SNL Cold Opens. They both involve the comedic actors shedding a bit of professionalism and bursting into laughter, a phenomenon we all love as audience members, a phenomenon known by two monikers, corpsing and breaking. We'll call it breaking because it's less of a mouthful. The value of breaking is intuitive in any long-form live theater piece like SNL and the way it allows the audience and performers to have fun together be in the same moment. It's, you know, sort of humanizing. SNL has its share of good breaking, like uh, this further bit of Michael Che and Keenan from that LeVar Ball piece. BF Ephesus! <laughs> Picnics in the park! Brunch on Sundays! Always from a respectable 500 feet away! <laughs> never violate the restraining order. Never with the <laughs> SNL also has lots of bad breaking, breaking to intentionally cover up for a lack of content. Not to make an unoriginal observation, but there's no better example than Jimmy Fallon throughout his entire career. The important thing with breaking is that it be used sparingly, say twice in a 90-minute episode, and not as a crutch. You're breaking because what's going on is too funny. Ideally, it's not nervous laughter to disguise the fact that you've got nothing. Koritskis uses breaking in a really masterful way in Potion Cellar. Now, it's certainly not sparing, since he's clearly cracking up most of the three-minute video, but he has this genius idea to use his uncontrollable laughter to his advantage by turning it into the sobs of the misbegotten knight. Potion Cellar, what do I have to tell you to get your potions? Why won't you trust me with your strongest potions, Potion Cellar? I need them if I'm to be successful in the battle. He knew he was cracking up, but instead of doing another take, he used it to power the performance. SNL never uses breaking like this, they usually just try to sweep it under the rug. I'd be interested to see if in future the Keenans and the Chays and the Davidsons and the McKinnons and the Yangs of the world would consider bursting into tears and seeing where that moves the scene. 
That's about all the observations I've got. This has been a very disorganized essay and was probably doomed to be so because it has probably become clear there's not actually much parity, parity, not parity, between SNL Cold Opens and Potion Cellar. They're about as different from one another as two works can be while still existing within the broad category of sketch comedy. But it's a contrast that organically appeared in my mind when I looked at how bad this SNL stuff is and tried to think of the sketch comedy I find the best. Yes, there's a bit of automatic facetiousness in doing a 20-minute podcast essay about the stupid, stupid YouTube video that is Potion Seller, but I'm quite sincere when I say it makes me laugh so much, and I think I respect it as much as I respect any established great piece of comedy. I think what it comes down to is stuff that makes you laugh really, 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 really hard has to be not just funny on the axis of some philosophical conception of what's funny, it doesn't just have to unearth a momentary incongruity, but it has to be genuinely novel, it truly has to come from a place you didn't expect. Potion Seller quite obviously does this. You don't expect this guy in front of his computer to go as hard as he does, to make the faces as grotesque as he does, the voices as dynamic as he does. When it's all done, you've seen something, something very silly, but something you simply were not prepared for. SNL is 46 years old, and it gets hosts like Trump and Musk who get chosen by suits who imperiously govern the well-intentioned writers. It, SNL probably can't do that. It physically cannot be very surprising or novel. The fact that it's a corporately beholden work of statist propaganda doesn't help matters, but even if it was on PBS or just done out in Central Park, 46 years as an institution with rules and established hiring practices can't help but put a tent in your ability to be surprising and thus really, really funny. So does SNL need to end then? Luckily, I have no say in the matter. But I'd say that you know, even though it's clearly flagging, it doesn't have to end. There's Still some quality to squeeze out, because even now, there are really talented writers and actors there. They should just do more weird stuff. Like, there was a sketch like three years ago when Alec Baldwin was just starting to do Trump, where he, it was like 12.58, you know, like the last sketch before they were done. And uh, Baldwin was a high school gym teacher, and there was a kid doing sit-ups, and every time the kid did a sit-up, he farted. That was the whole bit, and it was hilarious. I, I want more like that. And I know they have to keep doing the political yet uncontroversial cold opens, and there's nothing we as viewers can do about that. But in terms of the art of sketch comedy, I hope they turn around and start doing more jokes. I'll probably keep fast-forwarding to the monologue, and if we're watching it live, talk over it, pestering whoever I'm drinking with about whether they've seen Potion Cellar. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think they something could happen. This has been What a Stupid Thing to Say. Good night, and have a pleasant... You know. Oh, also, SNL sucks at ending sketches. They always just kind of decide they're over. Potion Cellar has a proper stinger. Why respect nights when my potions can do anything that you can? With that being said, Lorne, if you ever hear this podcast, I'd love a job. I can recant all those criticisms quite easily. Now, let's go out with a song. Nah, 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 can you hear me? The potions make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now and make the potions stronger. You know that I am the knight now and I can't wait much longer. Battle happens on sight now. I need those potions stronger.